Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello and welcome to this very special edition of the Square Ball Podcast. I'm Dan Moylan, with me Michael Normanson. Hello. And Moscow White, Daniel Chapman. Hello. And we have ourselves a guest today as well, author James Willoughby, who's written a book which he's brought copies of for us. It's called Ups and Downs and it's available now, James? Correct, yes. Thanks for having me. So which part of Leeds are you from then? Because that's, uh, I'm struggling to pick out the accent. Yeah, very long way away from Melbourne in Australia, but uh, one of the, the many global uh, fans who are fascinated by by Leeds and uh, and have been for some time. As uh, as we all know, it's a fascinating football club and uh, big following in Australia. I'm just one of many. So, what drew you towards Leeds then when you're over in Oz? Uh, I watched Leeds play in Australia in 2002. They came out for a pre-season friendly against Colo Colo. I'm sure you all remember it. It was a a bumper clash. Mm -hmm. And I was 11 years old at the time. Uh, Leeds were a big deal in Australia at the time. We had Mark Viduka and uh, other certain Australians at at the club uh, at the time. And yeah, I was sort of just getting into British football. Uh, It's not really a mainstream sport in Australia, even now, football. So it wasn't something that I grew up with, you know, as a as a young kid. But yeah, Leeds were a big deal at the time. My best mate um, in Australia at the time followed Leeds, and I went to that game and was sort of was hooked. And we've been rubbish ever since. So it's all my yeah. fault. I was going to say, seventeen years down the track, how do you feel about that decision? <laughs> yeah, times I've regretted that. I think <laughs> it's uh, now all part of the journey. And what I what I love about Leeds uh, is just how fascinating the club is. Uh, you know, there's there's never a dull day, as as you guys. Are, Know and, and discuss on a regular basis. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's an incredible football club, no doubt about that. Interested to get an Aussie take on Harry Kewell, who you skillfully skimmed past there, because he's you know he's a bit of an Aussie legend, whereas mm. he's not viewed quite so favourably in Leeds terms. How do you view him as an Aussie Leeds fan? Yeah, interesting question. Um, I, I do get a lot in in Leeds when I'm sort of at, at matches, and that one of the first things a lot of people will ask me is what my thoughts are on, on Harry Kewell and. The response to that is sort of, I think my credibility is heavily sort of judged on, on that answer. Obviously, his legacy with Leeds fans is is not great for obvious reasons. Um, in Australia, though, you're right, he is viewed as, as one of the best players ever produced by the country. But, you know, we would have rather that, uh, you know, certain moves that he made, he didn't. I mean, because you can be a good footballer and a bit of a twat at the same time. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, plenty of examples of that uh, across the world. But, yeah, he's... Uh, Obviously, his move to Turkey was was a you know very controversial one at the time, particularly in Leeds. But back home, yeah, people like him and Mark Viduka and, and Craig Johnston, who was at Liverpool a bit earlier than that, they sort of put English football um, on the map. Good stuff. So tell us about this book, then ups and downs. What's it about? 
It is a bit of a, a so suppose it's the flashpoints of Leeds' history told by the um, people who are involved directly. So there's more than 80 interviews in there with uh, former players and managers. And the idea of the book, it sort of snowballed. But at, at the start, the idea was to pick out the sort of the high points and the low points, um, you know, the cup finals, winning the league, relegations, promotions, stuff like that, and then go and try and speak to as many people who are involved in the match. Because I think as fans, um, we can attend as many games as possible and watch as much, you know, content. But the people inside the four walls of a, of a club have a have a slightly different take on it. And um, a lot happens in a football club that maybe we're not privy to. So you've really done your homework then? Yeah. 80 interviews, you've really well researched it because a lot of these things you, you can find just almost second-hand reports. So 80 interviews, who's been the most fun then to speak to or most interesting? Which is the one that stands out? Probably the one who stands out for me the most is is Mark Viduka because he's pretty much the reason I, I follow Leeds and such a interesting guy who's really, since retirement, disappeared from public spotlight. So for me, that was a thrill just because of, you know, what he meant to me, I suppose, as, as a kid, but then also his life since. And this is a guy who captained Australia as well. So personally, that was quite a significant one. And obviously, he was a fantastic forward for Leeds, but, you know, there's very hard to pick a favourite from... Um, from all the interviews because, yeah, as you mentioned, there's, there's quite a few and, and spanning, you know, several eras, including, um, you know, the side that really put Leeds on the map, I suppose, in the, the 60s and 70s. So what is Viduka up to these days? What's he doing? Uh, he lives in Croatia and in terms of work-wise, it's, it's not really a lot. Mark's uh, relaxing, he says, um, and putting his feet up, which, you know, fair play to him. I reckon he deserves. He does. He did say, as a footballer, as a kid from Australia, he sacrificed, you know, so much family time during his career, going here, there and everywhere, hotels before games, trips everywhere. Yeah, to quote him, now it's time to pay back to my family. So he's looking after his kids and um, enjoying the Croatian son. Because he's Croatian-Australian, of course, isn't he? for the yes, benefit of everybody right. who doesn't realise. So has he got, is he with family there then? Is yes, he, he is. Yeah, his wife's Croatian. Right. And, um, or definitely has Croatian heritage. I know that. And yeah, he's, he's living over there with, with his kids. Um, so he has spent a bit of time in Melbourne. I'm sure he goes back and forth uh, a little bit too. But yeah, that's that's his place of residence. And I think he probably enjoys the, um, you know, not being in, in the spotlight because, you know, in Australia, he, he wouldn't get that. Is there anybody that you found different to how you expected in the book? Any surprises come up? Uh, yeah, I think everyone, every interview was surprising in its own way because there was so many stories that you got told that, you know, I wasn't aware of. In terms of, of surprising, a few that stand out, I always knew they would be, you know, insightful interviews, but um, some of the people I'd spoke to that were involved at Leeds during the Chileno era were, um, you know, it was just incredible to, to hear some of the, the stuff that went on. And I still am staggered now, five years on, that weekend around that Huddersfield match where we we sacked the manager on Friday. We had at one stage, Neil Redfern was taking the team, then it was Nigel Gibbs, then Brian was reinstated, Brian McDermott, during the match and, and obviously came back to work on Monday and then, you know, lasted a few more months. And in the in the week, in the build-up to that game, we had this Italian who Massimo Cellino wanted to take over. Gianluca Festa was just lurking around the training ground, watching the players and essentially picking a team. Was Brian McDermott bitter about it still? Because he always seems like a very nice... Like almost like too nice of a guy to have done the Leeds job. Yeah, I think he's not bitter at all because, as you mentioned, he is so nice. He, he really wouldn't say too much uh, negative stuff about Massimo Cellino, which I think he would have every right to do. Um, others did that. But Brian actually thanked him for sending um, him a card 
when his mother passed away and, and Brian's mum was was quite ill and ended up um, passing away just after he, his time at Leeds finished and he was trying to juggle that and, and the job at Leeds and um, Massimo sent him a card and, and Brian wanted to put that on the record that, oh, thanks to Massimo for sending the card. So he is just really a very nice man. He did also call him out on the news though, didn't he, for saying, yeah. where's Brian, when, oh, exactly. he knew, when he knew yeah. that that's exactly where he was. Yeah. I was just going to say, yeah, he was visiting his sick mother and we all knew it at the time, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's interesting, so the public face of Chilino and what he's saying to like the cameras or whatever is, is different sometimes to maybe what you're seeing behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, Nigel Gibbs probably did a lot of Brian's talking for him on a few of those, you know, subjects. Not that Brian might have that view, but uh, Nigel was... Uh, Pretty disappointed with a lot of the stuff that went on in that era, but Brian is, um, yeah, he was actually the first person I interviewed for the book, Brian, and uh, at the time, you know, I didn't even know if it would end up finishing. You sort of got to start these things, you know, it's a bit of a roll of the dice and, um, yeah, a, a thoroughly nice man and uh, a guy who's just, I suppose, one of many managers gutted that it, it didn't work out because um, he's someone who, who, you know, was only at Leeds for a very short space of time but properly loved his time. And it's by no means like a book about glory then this, because you delve into some of these these darker times, the defeats. So what's perhaps the darkest time? Was it that Chilino era or is there something else that's... Uh, definitely the, the most sort of difficult one to write and the, the most difficult interviews were around um, the UEFA Cup semi-final in Turkey uh, in, in 2000, just because of the emotion involved. Obviously, uh, everyone listening to this knows what happened and um, how football really wasn't that important at all. And, you know, the emotions are still extremely raw for, you know, all the players involved who are, to a man, all really disappointed that the game even went ahead and um, death threats getting rung through to the players uh, the night before the game and, and things like this. Um, it was a pretty horrible trip for, um, for for everyone involved, really. So that was probably the most difficult one to write because, um, yes, it's a European semi-final, but it, it, as I said, it wasn't really that important at the end of the day. So striking that balance was was key. But, uh, yeah, that was that was a difficult one. And, I mean, the, the whole story of Leeds, it's it's not a positive story. The football club, it, entirely positive anyway. Yes, there are some highs. There are an awful lot of lows, particularly in the last 15 years. And I didn't want to write an airbrushed, you know, version of, of only the apps because you know that's it's only half the story anybody refused to speak to you then anybody you, you'd like to have got on the record but wasn't available or wouldn't do yeah it? yeah i mean in in getting sort of 80 people or a little over 80 they're going to be quite a few people who say no along the way and that's completely their prerogative i think as a journalist um you know i've been lucky enough to to work in the industry for um for over a decade now and you know as a as a journalist when you ring people up you're asking for a favour really for them to give you some of their time and not everyone wants to do it, which is which is completely fair enough. Did you reach out to Kill? I didn't, no, right. not not for this book, no. There's a lot of people involved in, in his um in his era in the book anyway, as as I mentioned, Mark Viduka, but people like Lee Bowyer, Jonathan Woodgate, uh, Jacob Olivia, Burns. Yeah, he's in there. <laughs> yeah. He is Norm, yep. Yeah. Uh, Olivia Decor, Dominic Matteo, people like that, they're all in there. So I didn't want to sort of overload the book too with um 15 people from one team because um, it's important to give each person and their views enough time, I suppose, to breathe in, in the chapter. Yeah, I think, I think the danger with Kewell as well is it then becomes about him too much. Very likely, Dan, very likely. Could distract a little bit away from the main narrative, which is telling the story of, uh, yeah. of Leeds United. So tell, what about Bowyer and Woodgate? Because that sounds like a fascinating insight. Yeah, both guys are extremely passionate about Leeds. I think we've seen that in the last you know six months. We saw after Charlton beat Leeds uh, at the Valley a couple of months ago, Lee giving the lead salute as he walked off and 
Johnny uh, Woodgate's side, they got thumped a couple of weeks ago and after the game he's talking about how great leads are and I hope they go up. So it clearly has left an impact on those two guys as those examples um, show and, um, you know, those interviews were with the premise of talking about, you know, the matches and while there is a lot of stuff about Leeds and, um, you know, what was happening at the club around about the time, yeah, those guys were um, were more keen to talk about the matches that they were involved in. And what about that O'Leary era? How's that reflected on by the people that you spoke to now? Because time has been a little bit more unkind to David O'Leary maybe than uh, yeah. it was thought of at the time. Just a huge sense of regret, Dan, from all those players that they never won anything because they firmly believe they were good enough and had they had even one more season together because they didn't win anything as a group and that really grates on a lot of the players, particularly Olivier Decor, who went on to win a couple of Serie A titles in, in Italy and he, he just says he can't understand why that team never won anything but the team was broken apart by as we know, the well-documented financial um, problems. They didn't They didn't get the chance, really. I mean, they went European semi-final, European semi-final in successive years, and uh, the shit hit the fan shortly after, and, and that was it. So, yeah, I think a lot of frustration from the players that, yeah, we had this great team, you know, people were talking about us like we were going to be the next Manchester United, not that we would we would want to be exactly that, but, better you know. Than, better than those yeah, lot. We would want to be challenging for trophies. Yeah. That, was, that was the point, and all those players firmly believed that they would have done that, and, and they never got the chance. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
So where do you travel to then when you're putting all this together? Did you see Decor in France then? And maybe did you go to Croatia for Viduka? I did go to Croatia for uh, to see Viduka. There was quite a lot of interviews um, done just up and down the UK, basically. So I, I came over in March to sort of finish the second half of it. The first half, there were a lot of interviews on the phone as well. But yeah, it's much better when you can get to, to go and see somebody, as you guys would know, you, you know, it's a better interview and, um, you know, they open up a little bit more. So yeah, there was a, a lot of travel involved. Um and the projects, it, it certainly, it blew up a lot more than I, um, or sort of snowballed is probably the right word, into um, a lot bigger project than I anticipated it being. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy it's uh, it's finished. It was a big, big task, but, uh, you know, I sit here looking at it and uh, yeah, I'm proud of, proud of the way it's come up. Can you give people a, an insight into how much work that is? Because AT Interviews doesn't really get across, you've got to do the preparation, you've got to do the actual interview, there's the transcribing it, because yeah. the, it's not uh, laid out as player-by-player player interviews either, it's match-by-match, match, so yeah. it's then sorting everything else. So how long did this take and how much work... There speaks the weird. There speaks the weary author. <laughs> well, I, I mean, he's <laughs> a man who knows. Me and Dan have, have written probably a few books, but just haven't published them yet. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> fact, I might have mentioned a book that I've written recently on this podcast once or mm. twice. But what's interesting is like I deliberately, book it is too. I deliberately did not interview many people because I know exactly what a ball lake it can be, and so I was like, yeah. I am not getting involved in all that. And you've gone and, and done the harder version in a way. Oh, I don't know about that. I didn't delve into... Uh, Better the, version? No, no, it's not fair at all. But <laughs> complimentary <laughs> Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, the interviews, I mean, obviously there's so many people you've got to go through to get access to these people, be it agents or, um, you know, their former clubs or, you know, people involved in the game, media managers, um, press officers, all these sort of things. So setting up the interviews isn't easy. As you mentioned, there's research. I mean, the, the transcribing was the killer because a lot of these interviews were for an hour or more and it takes, you know, five, six, seven hours to transcribe an hour of an hour of quotes and it's bloody painstaking to do so as well. So yeah, there's there's that involved and then and formulating it all, as you said in, in the chapters. So this has taken eighteen months to do. I've had some other work around that, but yeah, it's been uh, pretty much nine months of intense intense work since I got to Leeds in March. So yeah, it was 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 a lot of work, uh, as you know, um, Daniel putting it together. It's uh, it's a difficult task, but you know we sit there and both uh, you know pretty well, hopefully happy with uh, with the end outcome, and, and hopefully it's an insightful read. That was my aim when I started this to take you know it's a bit cliche, but take readers behind the scenes at, at Leeds and and what was really going on at half time, and I've sort of really tried to, in terms of um, the matches, take readers into the dressing room. What was what was being said at half time? what was going on beforehand, and there's so many fascinating tales of, of different things happening in, in different games. So so hopefully it's an insightful read to uh, to anyone who picks up a copy. Is that what you think it adds to the, like, the Leeds United lexicon, a look at things in a way that we've not had before? Uh, well, I mean, there has, I'm sure there've been, there's been similar books being written, um... <laughs> But yeah, that was the aim, that was the aim to just really tell the their their version of the story. So my writing is not extensive in this book. It's it's joining the dots between, you know, one player or one manager's quotes to the other, and also setting the scene. You know, why is this game important? Stuff like that. But in all instances, I'd, I've preferred to let the the players or or the managers 
do that talking instead because at the end of the day, no one really wants to or cares what I think, but they care what, you know, the people involved think. So you said it snowballed. How did it start then in your mind when way back 18 months ago before this became what it is now, sat on the table here, this book? To be honest, I don't know. I think with all these things, you're a little naive. Um, you know, I'd never written a book before and um, maybe I, I had my my task on, or my eyes set on 40 or 50 interviews. Um, and it, as I said, it ended up being a tick over 80. I didn't know how many games were going to be in and, and it was entirely dependent on who I could speak to. But the, the beauty of coming and actually being in Leeds and, and, you know, coming back to a city that I love and I've spent quite a few years living in previously is going to meet a few of the older players and, you know, oh, have you, have you spoken to this person? You know, it was, it would just sort of rolled on from there with, with different contacts, but, you know, I couldn't, for instance, write, uh, a chapter on uh, you know winning the league in, in 1969 uh, if I didn't speak to half the team who were playing at, at Anfield uh, mm-hmm. against Liverpool that day. So I needed those people to be in, in the book to tell that story. So I was lucky enough and I'm really grateful um, that so many people trusted in me to, to tell their story, particularly being someone from the other side of the world because I can certainly tell I got a lot of funny reactions when I picked up the phone and rung a lot of these people. You could just hear almost the other end of the phone <laughs> dies. They put the phone down and someone going, what the hell is an Australian ringing me about a Leeds United book for? But after a bit of explanation and a bit of coercing, most of them were, were really helpful, which was fantastic. So did you fly in and stay over in this country and purposefully just for the uh, the purpose of writing the book then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that was the plan. So I, I did work in Leeds for a couple of years in my 20s. Uh, it was the first time I, I met uh, Michael in some nondescript boozer, I'm sure. But um, yes, I, I came back to Leeds. I got a lot of mates here. I really love the city. I love the north of England. just think it's a, a fantastic place. But yeah, to come back was was purely to, to write the book. There was the added bonus of we were in an exciting promotion push. Uh, which, you know, <laughs> Almost. Is that, yeah. in, is that in the book as well then? No, I haven't. I deliberately haven't put any um, of the Marcelo Bielsa era in the book because for me the story is, is, is not even half completed yet. And uh, I think that if, I, I hope people will pick this book up in 10, 20, 30 years because the matches in the in the book will certainly still be relevant. And to sort of put a full stop on his his era at Leeds halfway through, I think is, is unfair because, you know, we all hope that there's a more positive end to the story. And I also think too, with the interviews are, are far better and people speak with far more openness, if you like, once they're out of the system, uh, you know, they might, they're still playing at Leeds or they're, they're still involved in, in professional football. They're less reticent to be critical. I mean, let's be honest that, you know, they don't want to offend people or say the wrong thing. But once you got players who um, are out of the system or retired, they're a lot more open. And that's ultimately what people want to read. Uh, you know, people don't want to read cliches and, you know, oh, we tried our best, but it didn't work. You know, we want to read why didn't it work? What went wrong? What was to blame? That sort of stuff. They're, you know, who knows? It, <laughs> Take a few years to come around to it, but it might be in the addition to Dan. Thoughts on Bielsa's leads then? Oh, I love watching the football at the minute. That's um, that's my initial thought. I think we're playing a bit more pragmatically this year, which is obviously having a, a great impact. And it's just exciting to watch Leeds again. It's it's been pretty dull for for quite a while. Fifteen years it has been, obviously since uh, since we're in the top flight. And yeah, we certainly haven't played as well. Uh, in that time. But what I really love is how, how it's sort of recaptured the city's imagination. Mm. The away following has been tremendous, certainly ever since I started 
getting into leads. But to see Ellen Road full every week, we're all off tonight to a game against Hull. Midweek game sold out at Ellen Road. I mean, that just hasn't happened for, for years, has it? So particularly in December, it's not like it's the end of the season next week. So yeah, the, the city is is buzzing about Leeds United again. People are wearing Leeds United merchandise everywhere you look. There's posters of, of, of Daniel up at uh, outside the front of WH Smiths yesterday. You know, look, people are talking about Leeds again and I think a lot of that is down to um, to, to Marcelo Bielsa. So I'm, I'm loving it, Dan. Have you really noticed that, the connection between City and club again? Because I would say it's been rekindled, hasn't it? Yeah, 100%. Like some of the... Um some of the games I was looking at actually for the extra ball that we're doing this week was Warnock era and there's it was the the game he got sacked in. There's twenty thousand people there against Derby. That's just the way it was. You couldn't even going as recently as the Hacking Bottom era, when I was I was on holiday and I couldn't I couldn't go, so I was trying to give my season ticket away. No one would take it. Like, <laughs> please, someone just go and sit in this seat for one game for me. You're messaging like a dozen people, everyone's like, ah, nah, nah. Whereas now the general sale doesn't exist anymore, does it? And it's yeah. I think there's a lot of criticism from certain quarters about all oh, these people coming coming glorious to parts and stuff, but at the end of the day, it's been terrible. It's been an awful product on offer for years and years. You can't argue with them. I mean, why would anybody want to go watch Steve Evans? At least I didn't want to. I can remember being in the, <laughs> the Peacock on a Tuesday night match and really being torn, like, can we just not just have another drink here? <laughs> and I think we eventually got into the ground with about 15 minutes had gone and it ended up being nil-nil. And it like going into the, the, the staging was the worst decision we could possibly have made under <laughs> those circumstances. Beautiful, warm pub, beer on tap. That's how a pub works. Everything was set up for a nice evening when it ruined it watching Leeds. And the, there are some some of those memories in this book when you look through and see that, like, well, yeah, Histon is there. Sheffield Wednesday, six leads, nil. Portsmouth, six leads, one. But that's going to be really fascinating, actually. A lot of those, I don't know if it's some weird Leeds United cultural idiocy, but I'm kind of looking forward to getting stuck into Watford, three leads, nil. <laughs> it's just, but I mean, there are, positive matches oh, yeah. as well so, it's but it's good that it's not um, do you know what I think I, I, know, I know what you're angling at young. what you're angling at Moscow is that I think it frames Bielsa really really well does this that's so, not what I was angling at at all <laughs> but you know oh, I, well, I, I wouldn't disagree it. with you that's what I'd, I'd take from it though that, that the extension from that is that because of all that the Histons and all those kind of really dark times you can now enjoy this a lot more I think oh yeah I guess so and also mm. it is it is what Leeds is really I remember when I was talking to the the publisher of mine while well, I was still working on it and he was saying to me and the editor, he said, oh, obviously this will be filled with all the, the glorious moments in Leeds United's history that really bring all the fans together and that everybody celebrates. And I was like, I mean, do you know much about Leeds? <laughs> yeah. There will be some of that, obviously, yeah. but there's also, there's a lot of the, uh, the other side of things are what really brings Leeds fans together as well. So it's good to have Leeds 7, Southampton nil next to Colchester 3, mm. Leeds 2. Um, from being a year apart and just remembering, yeah, that this is all. That's so Leeds, though. It's all so yeah. Leeds, isn't it? It's all very much Leeds. What's next for you then, James, after you've done this? Now this is all sort of uh, finished and boxed off. Sadly, going back to Melbourne. Um, although this winter, uh, I won't be too disappointed to see the back of it. I'm told it's not even a bad winter as well so far. Anyway, I haven't seen any snow. So yeah, back to Melbourne. But uh, I'm, I'm sort of been crisscrossing between Melbourne and Leeds for the best part of a decade now, and got a lot of mates here and um, plenty of reasons to come back. So uh, yeah, hopefully next time I'm back, we might be uh, 
in the big league. But yeah, just on on Dan's point too about about the losses, I think you probably learn more um, from the players too because you know there's why we lost those games, why we lost those fixtures. That Portsmouth one is uh, is a very interesting one. It was in November, I think, and um, all the players knew well, we're going down. You know, there's there's no way we're going to stay up. It was in November, so uh, pretty damning indictment basically on. Uh, on that season, but yeah, back to uh, back to sunny Australia, and um, I don't miss a game though, so I'll be up at stupid hours watching games that end at four in the morning. But there's there's so many fans who, who do that in in Australia, and and when I have a chat to different people here, a lot of people, oh, Leeds, Leeds, still a big deal in Australia, absolutely. You know, That's because of Shane Lowry, surely. Oh, it is, yeah, absolutely. Shane's you know momentous eleven game loan stint or whatever it was. <laughs> um, but you know, Leeds Leeds toured Australia this summer, British time. There are no second division clubs going to Australia, but Leeds still has a massive following back there, and probably Liverpool, Man United, and and then maybe even Leeds is is, is the third biggest team back there. So it'll be plenty of uh, plenty of others to watch the football with. Yeah, and plenty of scope for it to grow as well if we get up this time. Ups and downs is the name of the book. The inside stories from Leeds United's biggest matches. You got a foreword in there by Norman Hunter as well. Author James Willoughby, thank you very much for coming in and seeing us. Thanks for having me, lads. And good luck. Get, uh, get behind James. Buy the book. Where? Good question. Uh, it is www.upsdownslufc.com. There we go. Sold. Cheers, James. Thank you. The Square Ball Podcast. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, Rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.